This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. None of this is easy, but it's critical if you want to be financially independent. You have to take a very hard look at where your money is going. And you have to potentially, and probably inevitably, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, make some very hard choices. Some of those hard choices might even be unloading that expensive house you never should have bought. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about FU money versus FI money. Now, while these two acronyms, they may sound the same, these are two very different financial freedom strategies. Now, to help us dive deeper into all things financial freedom, I've invited author J.L. Collins back on the show today. J.L. is the international best-selling author of the simple path to wealth and has been called the godfather of FI in the financial independence community. He launched his blog, jlcollinsnh.com in 2011, and he's the founder of the legendary Chautauqua Financial Independence Retreats. His talk at Google has received over 1.6 million views, and he's appeared in dozens of popular finance shows and podcasts. He's also the author of the new book, Pathfinders, Extraordinary Stories of People Like You, on the quest for financial independence and how to join them. Welcome back to the show, JL. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm honored that you'd have me back. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I had such a good time with you last time and a lot of people on our YouTube videos, they really liked it. So I'm glad to have you back and bring you back to the audience for a message about all things FU money versus FI money. Let's start with FU money. How would you define FU money? Well, first of all, I, I should say that, that probably for most people out there, FU money and being financially independent, FI, are one and the same. But I've always thought of them as being a little bit different. And I've seen FU money as kind of the stepping stone. So FU money is when you have enough money to make bolder decisions than you would if you had to live paycheck to paycheck. Being FI means that you have enough money that work has become optional because your money is making enough money to support your needs. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Got it. So can you give us an example of FU money then? Like, let's say a good use of that. So I've developed enough FU money. Now, what does that provide me? Well, I'll give you an example from my my own young life. So when I was in my 20s, I came out of college in 1972, so now everybody knows what a geezer I am. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, in 1972, it was, it was a difficult economic time. You know, it was the, the years of high inflation and stagflation. You know, they coined the term stagflation because it was also a stagnant economy. And anyway, it, it took me two years out of college to get my first professional job. And I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I, you know, it was hard fought to get it and, and it was a job I enjoyed. I liked the people I was working for, but I also wanted to go to Europe for a year and backpack around while I was still in my twenties. And a couple of years into that job, I had managed to save the princely sum of $5,000, which in those days would have been enough to, to go to Europe for a year. 
uh, was, you know, a different time. I suppose if you looked at an inflation calculator, we're probably talking about $50,000 in today's, in today's money. But anyway, I, I had this money, but I, now I was on the horns of a dilemma because I didn't want to give up this job that I had that I was hard to get and that I liked, but I also didn't want to miss the opportunity to do this backpacking thing. And I was wrestling with that when I came across a special airfare. I forget what airline was offering it, but basically, if you selected a date in the spring and a date exactly four months later, then you would get a special fare. And I thought, well, four months isn't a year, but maybe that would allow me to keep the job, right? Because in those days, I had no idea that you could negotiate this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm a young kid, right? And so I, I went to my boss and I basically said, hey, you know, I want, I want to go to Europe for four, for four months. And, you know, any, any chance that there'd be a job for me when I got back? And he's like, well, no, you're not going to do that. I mean, tying, you know, those <laughs> days, things were not nearly as flexible as they are today. I, I envy young people today with the flexibility they have in their work, like my daughter. But, and again, I didn't know you could negotiate things. So I thought, okay, the answer is no. And I left his office and I thought, well, now I do have to make a decision. And so I wrestled with that for a couple of weeks. And, and finally I decided, you know, I'm going to go to Europe. So I went back into his office with great reluctance and I resigned and he said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Why, why are you quitting? And I said, well, you know, I, I really want to do this European thing. And, and, and then he, and this was not a negotiating point on my part, because again, I didn't realize that was possible. He did something that amazed me. He said, well, hang on, you know, don't do anything rash. Let me talk to, let me talk to my boss. And I'm like, okay. And I'm a little flabbergasted as I walk out the, the door. Anyway, a, a couple of days later, he calls me back in and he says, you know, remember that four month thing you were talking about earlier? Well, if you can guarantee us you'll be back in four months, then we'll hold your job for you. And at that point, I realized the <laughs> power of being able to step away. And it only took $5,000. And from then on, it became a lot more difficult to, to deal with. <laughs> That's incredible. So it did a few things there. It sounds like it gave you the confidence to have those types of conversations. And perhaps it maybe even gave your boss some ideas about his future, too, about maybe, <laughs> maybe. saving up some money and getting that same confidence so he could make some choices in his life, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think even more than confidence, it just made me realize that it was even a possibility. You know, and, and maybe it's different today, but in those days, you know, the, the way I was raised, the employer held all the cards. And, you know, you went on bended knee and asked and, and you know, you most likely would be turned down. I, I, but this opened my eyes to the fact that, wait a second, you know, if you're good at what you do and they want to keep you around and you can afford to play this card, because, of course, you know, there's always the chance they're going to say, well, okay, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you, you know. So you got to be, you got to do it from a position of strength. There's a couple of things there. There's the saving up the money portion. There's the having the willingness to have that conversation with your employer, but also making sure you're good enough at your job that they want you to come back. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot yeah. of pieces to that puzzle. Absolutely. I love that conversation. I love the conversation around FU money too, because it opens up doors where you maybe are feeling trapped 
or you're feeling like I need this job or the employer does have all the cards and it sort of changes that power dynamic. Now you did this book, Pathfinders. You had a conversation with a bunch of people about how FU money has impacted their lives. Were there any stories or maybe recent stories that you've heard that were good examples to you about how FU money has impacted people's lives besides your example? Yeah, I hear the stories all, all the time. And and some of the stories in Pathfinders, in fact, maybe most of them are about more of the financial independent, reaching financial independence or being on that particular path. But, you know, the, the key thing with, with having FU money is if, if you don't have that, basically you're living paycheck to paycheck. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you have no power at all. I mean, you're a you're a gilded slave in a sense. And and so until you are living on less than you earn and saving and investing the distance and building your own FU money, then the power truly does rest outside of your hands. But once you start doing that, and the more you do it, the longer you do it, and the more capital you accumulate, well, the stronger, you know, the, the, the scales begin to shift and the stronger your position becomes. And, you know, the FI community is filled with stories of people who've done that in that intermediate step, you know, as an intermediate step, which is how I think of the FU money. Let's transition that to FI money or FI as you talk about a financial independence. Can you define that specifically? Because I know that there are a lot of different terms for people out there, what financial independence means to them. But I know you define that specifically in the book. Could you help us with that? Yeah. So financial independence, again, is when you have enough money that that money is earning enough money to pay for all of your needs. So you are no longer required to trade your labor and your efforts for the money you need to live on. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that once you hit that magic level, you have to quit your job. I've, I've had people say to me, you know, I am looking at the numbers and I, I'm financially independent and that's great, but I don't want to leave my job. I love it. And my reaction to that is always, well, you don't have to. I mean, being financially independent doesn't mean that you have to quit your job. It just means that that you have op- options. So if you're looking at financial independence, there's actually a mathematical formula that can guide you because it's not simply a set dollar amount. It's a combination of what your needs are and what your resources are. So for instance, if you need $40,000 a year to meet all of your expenses and what have you, then the formula is 25 times that number. And if you multiply 25 times 40, I'll do the math for you, it's a million dollars. So if you have a million dollars invested in a low-cost index fund portfolio of stocks and, and bonds, well, then you are, by definition, financially independent. If you need $50,000 a year, well, then the amount of money you need is going to be 25 times that. Of course, the other way you can look at it is you can look at the amount you have. And if you're looking at your portfolio and you have a million dollars, well, the Trinity study suggests that taking 4% of that a year will allow your portfolio in the vast majority of time to last at least 30 years. And that's become known as the 4% rule. I don't like to think of it as a rule because that sounds too much like a guarantee, but it's a great guideline. And so if you have a million dollars, or let's say you have half a million dollars, 
Well, that means that if you could live on $20,000 a year, you're there. If you need $40,000 a year, you need a little more time to build that portfolio. So you can adjust both those numbers. You can you can do what you can to lower your living expenses, and you can do what you can to raise the amount that you have invested. And of course, if you lower your your living expenses, well, that frees up more of your income to invest. So that's a that's a happy formula. When we're talking about the difference between FU and FI money, with FI, what choices, I guess, what lifestyle options open up for someone when they hit FI as opposed to just having FU money? Well, the big one is you're now in complete control of your time. So you, as I said a moment ago, if you love your job, and a lot of people do, well, you can continue doing that job. And in the back of your mind, you always know that if for whatever reason you get tired of it, you get bored, maybe the boss you love working with goes somewhere else and you get someone you're not so wild about, maybe the company changes hands and the culture changes, maybe your own interests in life change, where you always have the option of moving on to something else. So that's the flexibility. And of course, if for whatever reason you already don't like your job, well, now you no longer have to do it. And you can either pursue a, a life of leisure and travel, whatever that means to you. Maybe if it's wandering around the world as a nomad, which a lot of people do, that's great. If it's going off and, and settling into uh, the countryside somewhere, it's entirely up to you. But you have that option. You can even take the kind of work that doesn't really pay very well, but you find emotionally or psychologically gratifying. So it just opens up a whole range of, of new options. And in fact, sometimes that's a problem for people because negotiating all of this freedom and all of these potential options can be a challenge in and of itself. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. When you get that time freedom, it can almost be a little paradox. What do I do with my extra time? Well, I'm so used to working. Let me, let me, let me do some more work, right? Or whatever it ends up being. We're dancing around this term of retirement a little bit, almost with FI and things like that. And I know you have strong views on the term retirement when it comes to <laughs> these conversations. What are your views on, on the term retirement? Talk to me about that. I think people get too hung up on on the word. It's just like people get hung up on the four percent rule, and then they 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 go through all these convoluted processes trying to figure out: well, is four percent the right withdrawal rate, or should it be four point eight percent, or three point two percent? Or I mean, it's just nonsense. You know, it's a guideline. And the same thing with retirement. I guess the classic definition of retirement is that you are no longer working for money. You might be working in hobbies or what have you, and I'm fine with that definition of it. But the other thing that I notice is that when people become fiscally or become financially independent and they decide to leave whatever their their job was, very rarely do the kind of people who have the drive and ambition and intelligence to accomplish that, very rarely are they going to sit on a beach and do nothing for decades. Almost inevitably, they're going to go out and, and find other things to engage, to engage themselves, to engage their minds. And equally, almost inevitably, some of those things are going to wind up throwing off money. They're going to wind up earning money. Sometimes they wind up earning more money than they did in their regular job. And then, you know, are those people really retired? Well, you know, what some have coined the Internet Retirement Police <laughs> march in and immediately say, no, you're not retired. You're making money doing something else. And I'm like, okay, I mean, who cares? You know, it's it's that's why I, I when I look at the acronym FIRE, you know, Financial Independence Retire Early, I like it because it's very clever. I almost never use it myself because the retire early part just seems to make people a little bit nuts. And for me, it was never about retirement. I always liked working. I'm I'm still working in a sense. I'm you know I'm still writing books and and that kind of thing. So you know I don't care about whether I'm retired or not, and I tend not to think about it in those terms. And it does it does tend to hang people up. So. You'll always hear me talk about FI or financially independence, but I don't think I've ever in my writing talked about FIRE. I think that's a very good conversation or a good nuance to have because I have chatted with some authors and some researchers just about the, the importance of having purpose in your life as you continue throughout life. So whether that purpose is 
travel or helping your fellow community members or just giving back in a certain way, whatever that work is, whether you earn money for it or you don't earn money for it, it's good to have purpose, you know? So having that way to keep yourself busy, to make sure that people are relying on you and you're having a good time and feeling like you have that purpose, it could be a good addition to your retirement, whatever you decide that retirement is, whether that's making money or not making money. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's, you know, purpose is incredibly important to human beings. And a lot of times that revolves around what we typically think of as work. And work's very satisfying. I mean, I, I you know, you mentioned Chautauquas, the, the retreats that I, that I created. And one of the things that I personally love about Chautauqua is I love traveling. But just traveling to a place as a tourist is much less appealing to me than traveling to someplace cool and exotic for Chautauqua, where I get to hang out with cool people and have interesting conversations. And, and you know, there's a purpose behind it. So, yeah, I think purpose is incredibly important. And if you reach financial independence and say, well, I'm going to quit my, my job and I sure don't want to run afoul with the Internet Retirement Police. <laughs> so therefore, I'm not going to let myself do anything else other than that's not, you know, purely recreational. Well, I, I don't know. It sounds like a pretty miserable life to me. Yes, the Internet is full of opinions. Every time I look in there, there's more and more opinions. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> including, including ours. <laughs> including ours, exactly. We're adding two more today. Absolutely. Well, one question I have for you is a lot of people are excited about this conversation of financial independence. They get excited about what it is all about, but they get a little deflated as of late with inflation and the rising costs of home ownership. You know, home ownership's a big goal for a lot of people, but it seems to be escaping the grasps of a lot of Americans. Americans out there. What's your view on home ownership and just the general rising cost as it relates to a FI lifestyle? Well, first of all, let me let me address inflation and then and then we'll talk about home ownership. Ben Carlson, who writes a wealth of common sense and is a wonderful commentator, just did a post or an article on on how stocks perform in times of high inflation. And the truth is they perform very well takes a little bit of time for them to catch up, but they perform very well. So for people on the simple path to wealth, which by definition means that you are saving and investing primarily, if you follow my path, in the, in the stock market, inflation actually is going to work out pretty well for you. People that have a problem with inflation tend to be people who don't save you know, who are middle class and don't save or who are poor, those are the people who really get hit hard by inflation. And that's something to think about when you listen to your various politicians talk about spending and, and that sort of thing, but just a little sidebar on that. But if you're investing and you're investing in stocks in particular, inflation, unless it really becomes, you know, a runaway kind of thing, but the sort of inflation that we've had in this country is, is not going to hurt you. As, as for home ownership, I have a reputation of being very anti-house. I mean, that comes when you write a post called Why Your House is a Terrible Investment. So I guess that comes with the territory. But the truth is I'm not anti-house. I've owned a house most of my adult life. But I'm anti the drumbeat that houses are an investment, let alone a good investment. Houses are a lifestyle choice. They are an expensive indulgence. And if you are, if one of your main goals is to build 
financial independence, to build wealth, houses tend to get in the way of that because people tend to buy too much house. And then there are a lot of ancillary expenses with houses from taxes and repairs to the almost the inevitable remodeling people do and the furnishing and and all of this this kind of thing. So my advice when it comes to houses is don't buy one unless you absolutely need it. And then buy the least house that you need, that is to say the most affordable house so you keep your housing expenses down. Now, I have nothing against expensive indulgences. And as I say, I've owned houses most of my adult life. I have a beautiful uh, cottage on, on the lake here, but it's not an investment. It's an indulgence and it's one that I can easily afford. And that's the other point I'll make is that you should buy anything, but especially large ticket items like cars and houses from a position of financial strength where people get in trouble is where they stretch to buy something because they think they have to impress someone or for whatever reason. And if you're stretching to buy that house, you're going to be what's called house poor. If you're stretching to buy that car, you're going to have a huge car payment. And those things get in the way of being financially independent. So being financially independent is a goal. You want to tread very carefully with that kind of purchase. Those are good conversations for people to think about, especially as the interest rates continue to rise. Do I actually need this? Is this something that is going to help me get to a life of financial freedom, financial independence? Obviously, if you clicked on an episode like this, maybe you're interested in financial independence. These are these are the steps we're talking about. Let's talk to the person who's listening. They're saying, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying, JL, and I am living paycheck to paycheck, but I want more financial freedom in my life. What is one step they should take following this interview to pursue that simple path? Well, so first of all, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, almost by definition, you've become a victim of lifestyle inflation, right? So you come out of school and you start working and you're making whatever you're working. And and then as you get raises, you, you keep spending more and more money. And if God forbid you're borrowing money to have an even bigger lifestyle, now you have debt on top of that. So yeah, let's start with the debt. If you have debt, that's a major problem. You just have to, you have to get rid of that before you can begin to think about wealth. And in our culture, for some reason, We've convinced people that having debt is normal, that it's natural, that it's acceptable. And it's not. To me, it's like being covered with blood-sucking leeches because that's what your debts are. They are sucking your financial blood. So what I tell people is you just got to take out your sharpest knife and start scraping those little suckers off. And there's nothing easy about that. It simply means you have to stop spending money to free up money to pay down the debt. Now, once you pay down the debt, or if you're fortunate enough that you don't have debt, you're just living paycheck to paycheck, you still have to go through that process of altering your spending so that you are spending less than you are taking in. So you have to, none of this is easy, but it's critical if you want to be financially independent, you have to take a very hard look at where your money is going. And you have to potentially, and probably inevitably, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, make some very hard choices. Some of those hard choices might even be unloading that expensive house you never should have bought or unloading that expensive car payment you never should have taken on and driving something much cheaper 
and living in something much less expensive until you get your feet under you. And again, when you can afford those kinds of things, those expensive indulgences, by all means, I have no problem with with those. I, I do that myself. But you've got to get to financial independence first. Some of those hard choices might be the best choices that you make for yourself in the long run. Absolutely. JL, you've got this great new book, Pathfinders. Tell us a little bit about it and where people can get it. So Pathfinders came about because when when The Simple Path to Wealth came out in 2016, almost immediately I started receiving stories from people telling me about their unique situation and how they were adapting the principles in the book to to their goals and their life and, and walking the path. And that was remarkable to me for a couple of reasons. You know, I wrote The Simple Path to Wealth for my daughter. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons it's resonated so well with a lot of people, although I didn't think about this strategically at the time, but this is exactly what I tell my own child to do. She was in college at the time, and she's an American. So this is a very U.S.-centric book, and it is a book that kind of assumes that you're at the beginning of your journey. Well, as your last question indicated, you know, what about somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck? Not everybody is at the beginning of their journey. Some people have succumbed to lifestyle inflation, and they have this kind of stuff that they have to unwind. There are people from all over the world who are following the simple path to wealth. And again, it's a very U.S.-centric book. Those people are able to look beyond the conversations I have about 401ks and IRAs, which are U.S.-based things, and say, well, how does this apply to my country? And what are the equivalents in in my country? The same token, people look at this book that was written for my daughter at the beginning of her journey and saying, well, okay, I'm not at the beginning of my journey, but how do these principles apply to me? And I've just been amazed and thrilled at, at the kinds of stories I have heard. So for years now, I wanted to collect these and share them with, with a broader audience. And that's what Pathfinders is. There's about a hundred of these little stories in it. And it's broken down into nine sections from things talking about freedom and debt and lifestyle inflation for that matter. And also the end game, you know, what to do when you when you finally reached it. So there's nine different sections and I have little introductions and comments about the lessons learned in those sections. And then there are the stories. And the other thing that I love about this book is some of these stories come from, from, you know, there's, there's one who was, he was a child migrant worker when he was young. I mean, you know, picking fruits and vegetables, it's not the kind of start you would think is going to lead to financial independence, but it did. There's another person who tells the story of their childhood where, you know, his idea of somebody rich was the person who had the flush toilet where they lived. So I love those stories because one of the the jabs that is taken at, at, at the financial independence movement is, oh, it's only for, you know, certain kinds of privileged people who have tech jobs and get paid a lot of money. And, well, there are stories actually about, you know, there's a story that comes to mind as I'm telling this about a couple that worked in Sil- Silicon Valley and had those high-paying tech jobs and did a little geo-arbitrage when they worked back, moved back to their home state of Ohio. So there's, a, there's both kinds of stories, but 
I think I love the ones of people coming from the most humble of beginnings because it puts the lie to this idea that this is only a path for certain kinds of people. And as I say, if you read Pathfinders, you should be aware that you are never again going to be able to say, I can't do this. This is not for me. Because I can almost guarantee anybody listening to this, there are stories in this book of people who have done it, who started with less than you probably are going to start with. Now, you can still, of course, choose not to follow the path, and most people do. You know, most people are going to look at their lifestyle that's inflated and look at the kinds of changes they're going to have to make, and they're going to say, eh, you know, I don't really want to do that. And that's fine. It's their money. It's their choice. To walk this path, you have to decide that the top financial priority is to be financially independent. If your top financial priority is to live in the fancy house or to drive the fancy car, that's your call. But you're probably not going to be able to be financially independent at the same time. These are choices we get to make. And I do love that about the book. I do love that there are so many different perspectives of how to walk your version of financial independence and the multiple backgrounds that you'll see people come from. You guys can find that, Pathfinders. It's a fantastic new book. I've had a chance to read it. And JL, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, hey, it's it's been entirely my pleasure, Andy. I appreciate you having me back on the show. Uh, I hope we do this again sometime. What an honor to talk with this legend once again. Here are my top three takeaways from a conversation with J.L. Collins. Number one, FU money gives you confidence. Think of FU money as a bridge that helps you transition from a place of hardship and stress to a place of peace and prosperity. And having that money set aside gives you confidence to take that first step, to make that leap into the unknown because you have a nice parachute of dollars to support you if needed. JL's example of FU money with his first job was such an awesome story. I felt similarly when I left my corporate career, I would not have been confident enough to transition without my big pile of FU money. And I'm so glad that I did. Number two, FI money gives you complete control of your time. While FU money is great, FI money gives you full ownership of what your hours look like each day. At this point, you don't need the income from your job anymore. This is because you have invested so much that your portfolio now provides you with the income that you need. Think of it like creating your own pension. And the more you invest, the earlier you can enjoy that pension. And if you like what you do and you don't want to retire early, that's okay. You at least have the option just in case your job situation changes, you get let go early, you get a new boss that treats you like dirt, or you just simply get bored or tired of what you're doing. In short, you've got options. Number three, start small and build up. There's one thing that FU money and FI money have in common. They both take time. They're simple concepts, but they're not easy to accomplish. What can be easy is simply taking the first step. Stop the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Grow the gap between your income and your expenses. Build up your emergency fund. Eliminate high-interest debt. And begin saving for retirement. These are the important steps you can start today. 
And then you go for the bigger goals like financial independence. And while you're at it, find some people who are on the same path as you. Community makes this FI game so much better. And those are my top three takeaways, everyone. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. Let's keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today, to Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on our blog as always, and Nev Mirage for her podcast support as of late, and of course, Weird Digital Marketing for their social media expertise. This content that we put out there, Marriage, Kids, and Money content, is not possible without these folks. So thank you all so much for your support as always. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people, maybe who are on a mission for financial independence or family financial independence, well, you should join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping families thrive. With the tax season in full swing, I wanted to see what families would be doing with their tax refunds if they got one. And group member Crystal Lee shared this short and sweet answer. She said, Investing it. (laughs) Yes, everybody, it could be so difficult for us to think about our long-term needs when we have so many short-term wants and needs that we're dealing with. If we can save and invest some of our newfound money like Crystal Lee is planning on doing, we'll experience more life options in the future, just like our friend JL Collins told us today. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Crystal Lee for sharing with us? All right. Thank you, Crystal Lee. Thank you for contributing as you have for so many years. Thank you so much. If you are looking to make some connections with like-minded families and get inspired by their goals and plans, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Again, it's a free Facebook group. If you're not into Facebook, You can always connect with me on my other social platforms at Marriage, Kids, and Money on Instagram and Facebook. Or I guess that's Facebook, isn't it? So if you're not on Facebook, you could check out LinkedIn too. That's at Andy Hill MKM. Anyway, that's socials. If you're into the socials, that's where we are. Anyway, I hope to see you out there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jack Bogle. Time is your friend. Impulse is your enemy. Let's plan for your ideal tomorrow today, my friends. Carpe diem.